Welcome to Geek Exploration the Podcast. As you slide the heavy stone door of the tomb aside, the fetid air hits you and your stomach turns. Your sense of unease is only increased when you hear an ominous click. Roll a dexterity save. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. One. We're talking tabletop RPGs. Enthusiasm is fantastic. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sets the mood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get around to one of my favoriteest topics that I know you've got uh, a very shallow love for. Yeah, yeah. It, my, the my my pool of love for this topic does not go very deep. In all fairness, I probably haven't given it as much of a shot as uh, one should before deciding. Um, that they want that thing out of their life. Yeah. Well, you never, you were not a, a great RPG fan when it came to video games or anything. That's true. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was, if it was re- reading or creating my stories was up my alley, but following the journey um, in an interactive matter, manner, I don't know why I don't like that. It seems like something I would be into. Oh yeah. And if you like creating the story, or at least helping create the story. Tabletop RPGs are a great place for that. Maybe you just haven't played the right ones yet, John. Yeah, and maybe I haven't had the right experience with it. You know, um, maybe maybe I need to DM, but I think you have to play at least a couple games before you can uh, learn the mechanics well enough. But No way, trial by fire. Just fucking do it. <laughs> just throw me in. Yeah, absolutely. Loads and loads of people's first experience playing, you know, D&D or any other tabletop RPG was DMing because if you had a group of friends that nobody had done it before, someone's got a DM. You know, if if there was such a thing as co-DMing, I would love to co-DM a game with you one day. I think the the tough part that you would have and a lot of early starting DMs have is uh you you're thinking you're going to write and steer a story. And uh the players totally get in the way of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially with certain buddies of ours that uh that decide they're going to do something completely out of left field. Well, everybody. That's that's that that. I mean, that's the joy of the game, though, is that, that as a player, you have full and complete freedom to do kind of what you want. Like you can, it's not prescriptive. It's not like a video game where you know you have a uh, dialogue options or there's you know you can take one of four different paths that lead to one of seven different endings kind of thing like you can do anything you want no matter how ill-advised or inappropriate it is and sometimes it leads to you know the best moments in tabletop gaming that i've ever had are you know from really novel ideas or doing something really off book or or bad roles, you know, where you've got some situation and you either get a critical success or a critical failure and something ridiculous gets to happen. And it can be really fun. Yeah, that was something uh, something that struck me as interesting in the just a little bit of history um, for the listeners. My experience with tabletop RPGs is very limited. Um, I decided to join a game with Ben DMing and a few other buddies of ours, and I, I made it a few weeks, but I just, I couldn't stick with it. It didn't strike me the same as everyone else. Um, so I, I ended up dropping out cause I knew I wouldn't have the, the time to devote to it. 
Um, but one thing that that struck me on on that topic was it was really interesting going into a fight and you're thinking, okay, we're the good guys. We're going to win. Ben's the DM, but he'll find a way for us to win. And in one of our fights, like we didn't win. It was really bizarre. Like I, I more or less just like got killed or incapacitated or whatever it was. And Kyle ran away and, and it, it was, it was such an interesting experience. It wasn't just a band of, you know, fantasy characters going in and kicking the shit out of some goblin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm a reasonably savage DM. I will let you die. Uh, <laughs> like I try and make sure everyone has fun and I'm not going to, you know, grudge kill my party or anything, but, uh, if you make stupid decisions in battle, you will fall. So tell us a little bit about the role of DM, what you do, how you control things or, or don't control things, what you prepare for in, in the beginning. Yeah, so the the role of DM is something I've kind of grown into and really I really enjoy DMing. It it does take a bit of prep time. So your your job essentially is to be the world and the arbiter of all things. So you've got player characters who control their individual characters and as the DM, you are essentially everybody else, the environment, the plot, the the narrator. Mhm. You do, you know, you're everything else. You're the world. And so along with that, um, you know, you have to spend some time prepping and getting ready for the game to come. And uh, one thing I've learned is don't prep too much. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was how much do you prep? Because there's no way you can plan for everything. Like you were saying, you know, uh, people can make whatever decision they want. You can be guiding them through a forest to get to a magical sword. And one guy could be like, let's go west and go find some hookers. And you know, you gotta, you gotta let them do it if they want. Right. If they, if they roll. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you can, you can railroad your party, they call it where you, you know, they decide to go West and lo and behold, they still find the thing you wanted them to look for. Oh yeah. Or they could find a big cliff that they can't get by. There's there's ways to railroad the party. I don't like doing that. Um, you do it occasionally, you know, you steer them in the right direction or kind of make things work out. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll, you know, you'll prepare a, encounter or a a house that they can go up to and there's some characters they can interact with and either they just decide to skip it entirely or decide to just light the place on fire when they get there. Yeah. Um, Which is one reason that I, you know, like running evil parties is, is difficult. Trying to motivate evil characters is harder than trying to motivate good characters. You know, if you want good characters to do something, you generally present them with something good that needs to happen. Whereas because evil characters are generally, unless they're like lawful evil where, they still have like a code of hierarchy. Like they've got orders and they've got things they need to do. Um, if, if you're like chaotic evil, you're just out there for yourself and uh, you don't care who or what you hurt as you go through the world. And uh, those people are just really tough to motivate. They also don't play well with others, which makes the party kind of fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine being in a party with somebody like that, I would kind of get sick of their antics. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, they're just playing their character, but that, you know, the game, like the game that you dropped out of, I, I you probably would have dropped out of it later, even if you were having a good time. Cause there was definitely, we definitely ran into a little bit of uh friction in, interpersonal discourse, I guess <laughs> <laughs> that where there was uh you know, just one player didn't really like the way the other play didn't really like the other player's character essentially. And he, you know, he's playing his character and they just, uh, it kind of went, uh, they kind of took their grievances, you know, out of the game to a degree. 
you know, nothing, you know, they didn't come to blows or anything, but there was definitely ruins friendships. Yeah. There was definitely some just animosity and ugliness that was at the table. That wasn't really great. And I think we kind of worked through it, but, um, we'll see. (laughs) Now, are you guys still playing currently? Yeah, we're on a break right now until next year, but we're going to try and get back together. We got, uh, we, you know, we lost a player. We got a couple more players coming in. So, uh, but yeah, you we're mean keeping you, on going. You mean you were on a break until the beginning of this year and you guys are currently playing again, maybe? Yes. Yep. Yep. Because this comes out in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're playing and everything's awesome. And then you also play another game, right? Like you, you play with uh, some people online. Yeah. Th- this is, I've kind of taken this hobby up pretty wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, I play on, on Mondays, we've got our in real life game that I'm running. Uh, we're running through curse of Strahd, uh, fifth edition D and D on Tuesdays. I play a game with, uh, some old buddies of mine that, uh, we play online cause we all live in different States. Mm-hmm. So we got people in all continental time zones and that game is like a, it's like a based on fifth edition modular type put together mega dungeon thing that one of the other guys we played with came up with. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And then on, I occasionally play, I've got like a, another 5e game going with my kids occasionally. Oh, geez. And um, I'm playing a play-by-post game on a new website I found called Rollgate, where um, it's all just, you know, you, it's all via text kind of posts on a, they used to do them on message boards, but this is kind of built for it. So it's got a, a lot of pr- fairly cool features. It's pretty new. Um, and that's pretty fun, but it's like real slow pace. Like there's, you know, one or two things happens a day, maybe. And you may go like two or three days without hearing from the DM. Oh, wow. So you really have to love it and not care for, you know, the Im- the immediate gratification of a of a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, and that's kind of what that platform's for. It's for people who don't have, like you, where you said you couldn't make the time. You, it's As an adult, it's hard to devote the time. Like, hey, every Tuesday night at a certain time, I'm going to be at a certain place for like three or four hours. Yeah, yeah. And commit to that and have like four or five other adults also commit to that is tough, especially around the holiday season. You know, come Thanksgiving, things just kind of fall apart until the until New Year's because everyone's got extra shit going on. But uh, but yeah, that, that, it's pretty fun, but it's, it's you know, real low key. It's like, you know, you just kind of check in with it occasionally and, uh, you know, you could just do it on your phone. So you just, every once in a while you get a notification on your phone that something happened and then you respond to it or or just read it and you know, wait for later. And if you're busy, it's not a big deal. Maybe I should try something like that. Just to, just to wet my whistle a little bit. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fun. Uh, you know, and you may like the, the one I'm playing now, we went like, there was a period where the DM was gone for like three or four days. Cause he had stuff going on and uh, that's what it is. No one, you know, no one gets really upset because that's exactly what that platform is for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, and you do not expect things to move quickly and it's fine. Um, and then also, uh, you know, I just, I play, other like little one shot games like uh, I just recently did a guest DM for the Authors and Dragons podcast. Yeah, that we'll put a link to in the description, um, where we played a uh, just like a one shot of a game called Inspectors, which is cool. I think you would like Inspectors. It's a good game. What's that all about? So it's like a uh, it's kind of like a detective slash Ghostbusters world. Hmm, I do like both of those things. Yeah, where you play as a investigator for the Inspectors Corporation that deals with supernatural and um, metaphysical kind of, you know, anything, you know, anything from Bigfoot to vampires to ghosts to demons. And uh, 
you've got your own little franchise and you've got characters and uh, it's kind of cool because it can go as like a no prep. You don't have to have any prep. You go in and just wing it. And because the the story is fully character driven too. So basically you go in and you roll dice when you want to try and do something. If you fail at it as a DM, I tell you how badly you fucked up and what happened. But if you succeed, you as the player get to say what happened and drive the story forward. Oh, interesting. So the story, like you have a certain number of, of, you know, dice rolls that you need to win in order to solve the case. And with each dice roll, characters get to decide how the plot progresses. So you start as a DM with like a premise, like a, you know, there's something that goes bump in the night and that's it. You don't have a solution because you don't get to make up the solution. The players do. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, like being a DM is a very, um, a role that you that you have to have a lot of uh, malleability and like thinking on your toeiveness. Oh yeah, yeah. You've got to be able to roll with the punches and improvise and bullshit. Yeah. Uh, a good DM can you know you can take throw pretty much anything at them and you will think that they maybe had a plan for that, even though they generally don't. Usually, what I do is I'll if if I'm running a campaign in a world, I'll have an idea of kind of what's going on in the world, regardless of what the characters do, kind of what the situation is the kind of things they may encounter. I'll have a few encounters kind of queued up that, you know, that may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then from there, just, you kind of improvise, you know, you've got your set of things that can occur and then you have the things that will happen. And, uh, you just got to try and make a cohesive bridge from one to the other. Yeah. It seemed like in my, in my limited experience with it, it seemed like you just like, you were never stumped. You never had to sit there and go, uh, uh, it was just like, okay, this is what happens next. Okay. Then this happens. Like there were a couple of times where somebody's like, can I do this? And you're like, uh, I, I guess why not? But yeah. Yeah. I may have to think a minute to figure out what you have to roll to do something. Yeah. You know, can I do a backflip over the cart and stab this guy in the back of the head? You could try. (laughs) You can always roll for it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh. What's your what's your history with with Dungeons and Dragons? Where did it or I, I guess RPGs in general? Where did it start with you? For me personally, yeah. So I've always, I mean, I've always loved RPGs um, from you know video games playing you know Final Fantasy and Zelda and all kinds of other, you know like I played a lot of RPGs. They're kind of one of my favorite video game genres when I was a kid, and I always wanted to play like tabletop RPGs. I always enjoyed board games in general. And, uh, really wanted to get to, I remember the first, and I didn't even realize it until I was kind of like looking back on stuff, but, but the first, I guess the first experience that I had with it was when I was in like third grade at the 99 cent store, they had a game called cyborg commando. Oh, interesting. That, uh, had a really cool art on the front. It had like this cyborg guy shooting a gun and a bunch of weird aliens and stuff. And it was like Washington DC, like burning down in the background. It was really cool. Apparently it was written by Gary Gygax, the guy that one of the co-creators of D and um, apparently look reading back about it. It was also one of the worst and most, you know, roundly panned as a terrible, terrible game. Um, which makes sense. Cause, uh, I remember like being excited and opening it up and came with like a box that had some dice and stuff in it. And, um, just not having any fucking idea what to do with it. So it was a tabletop game. Yeah. Yeah. And it had, but I mean, the whole book was just full of like charts of like populations of different countries and like their capabilities. And I mean, it was just like charts after chart, after table, after thing. And I mean, it was just, it was really like, I had, I I remember being excited about it and like really wanting to try and understand it and not being able to do either of those things. (laughs) 
I mean, I was in third grade too, so that didn't help. Um, and then later on, when when we were in high school, I got a uh, Palladium, which is another role playing game book. Yeah, and I, I I was I was wondering if that was going to be your first impression because I remember that book. I still remember the cover. I still have it. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I don't have Cyborg Commando anymore though. But but yeah, I remember trying to get you guys and a bunch of people together to play it, and I spent hours like crafting a campaign that had something to do with a vampire and something else. And uh, really, you did that back then? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I had a whole campaign. Like I, I took a old, I, you know, I took my Hero Quest board. Yeah, and like expanded it. I still have that too. I, I'll show you after this. Where I had like a, I took a bunch of uh, like builders paper and like created like the grounds that were around the castle. Used the hero, the hero quest board yeah and pieces as the castle and then like had all the grounds around the castle and used had all the miniatures from that and dark world that uh i was going to i had like a whole campaign prepared but we just never did it oh man yeah i mean i i I didn't really understand what that stuff was when i was a kid it just seemed like a lot of work and i wasn't into it but yeah like looking back now i wish i would have done it i didn't know you had a whole um a whole campaign uh planned out I thought it was just, you know, fun to look at the book and fun to imagine, but I didn't know you actually put in the work. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had it all put together and ready. I still, like, it's still in my hero quest box, I think, cause I haven't, I haven't played hero quest in a long time. Yeah. I remember we played that at, uh, the Casabella house back in 2004. I remember playing, uh, playing that for a few nights. I don't think we actually finished our campaign, but we got pretty good and fucked. Like our, it was not going to go well for us. And I think that's why we quit. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Some of my, most of my favorite characters I've ever had are dead and they met on time, you know, horrible untimely deaths, but, uh, appropriate for them. You know, I remember when I was, I was probably like 13 years old, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't super into RPGs, but I was like, Hey, why not? You know, the art was always really cool. And I remember going to a local comic shop. It was called comics and cards. You know, it was over by where like, uh, in the Walmart parking lot, where like play it again sports was or right next to it. Yeah. It was a little shop that, uh, that wasn't there super long, maybe a year. And I bought a Dungeons and Dragons, uh, uh, handbook or source book or what, what's it called? Yeah. The like, player's handbook. Okay. Handbook. Yeah. I presume that's the one you bought. Yeah. I mean, it could have been some weird expansion for all I know. I don't know. It was 20 bucks and it was Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, Hey, this is kind of neat. Why not? And a couple days later, I think maybe the next day my mom saw it. And, you know, not, not to, not to beat a dead horse, but, you know, religious household growing up, my parents weren't the, weren't the strictest, you know, of, uh, religious taskmasters by any stretch, but Dungeons and Dragons was something evil. You know, it it was, I mean, it was just sort of, it was messing with things that you don't really need to be messing with, with them. You know, What, what year was that? Um, I don't know, 95 ish. Oh, so that's pretty late. Yeah, in the in the mid '80s, there was like the satanic panic, where the where the I mean, media really stirred up a lot of stuff about uh, how D and D was evil, and it was you know teaching kids about worshiping the devil. And yeah, satanic leading, rituals, yeah, leading to murders and suicides. And I guess that whole thing started with there was a like a 16 year old kid that was going to Michigan State, um, and he, and he uh, you know he disappeared for like a week, and no one knew where he was. Uh-huh. And uh, when the investigator found a bunch of D and D books in his in his room and like read through them and was like, oh, this must be why he disappeared. They found him; he was fine. I guess he killed himself later. But uh, they made a uh, there, it was like a big thing about you know blaming D and D for this kid's disappearance. And then um, there was a, a book called uh, 
the mazes and monsters. There was a book called Mazes and Monsters that came out that kind of like detailed what they thought he went through. Cause I guess they thought he like went down into like the tunnels below the university and got lost or some shit. Cause he couldn't tell fantasy from reality. And they actually made a movie with fucking Tom Hanks in it. Oh geez. Yeah. I saw the cover for that when I was doing some research, but I, I didn't know anything about it. So does Tom Hanks play that guy that disappeared? Yeah. yeah he plays him and they go down into like some tunnels and some sewers and they get lost. And you know, it, it's like a, it's like a morality tale about why D and D is evil. Oh geez. Yeah, it's really, it's like the reefer madness for tabletop games. It's awful. <laughs> but you know, after, after, after that came out, like they're, they quadrupled their sales. Like it, you know, it, no publicity is bad publicity. So it went, uh, it got really big. Like it, it's what really that whole thing is what made, you know, TSR on top when it came to Dungeons and Dragons. Cause there yeah. was some other competing stuff at that time, but they really kind of cemented them. And then, the, and then, yeah, then the religious folks got a hold of it in the mid eighties and started, you know, railing against it as evil and teaching your kids witchcraft and demonology and voodoo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's how my parents felt about it. You know, they, they weren't, they weren't nut jobs, but yeah, it was just sort of like, kind of like the, the thing with like Ouija boards where it's like, you know, don't just, just, just don't fuck with it. You know, don't, don't mess with, with things you don't understand that couldn't, don't invite that into your life sort of thing. So my mom made me take it back and it was embarrassing and it was stupid. I, um, you know, I bet it wasn't the first time that somebody's mom made them return a D and D book to that <laughs> yeah, store. Probably not. So maybe that's why they went out of business. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause, uh, a little bit of history on, on tabletop gaming is they kind of, they were born tabletop RPGs were born out of uh, strategy war games in like the early seventies. Um, not unlike risk, but a little bit more complicated where you'd be like a general and you'd be commanding armies and you'd, you know, just like tactical you know, strategy style war gaming. And, um, you know, that's about the time when like, you know, civil war reenactments started getting kind of big and like the, um, the SCA, the society for creative anachronism started doing like actual, like almost like LARPing, except LARPing yeah, I was wasn't just going to say then. historical LARPing. Yeah, but where they where they you know where they dress up in armor and swords and get a thousand people together in a field and they go hit each other, um, which I've wanted to do for a while. By the way, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll bet it sounds super cool. <laughs> Make a costume, have a character go around, have a big fucking battle with fake swords. Well, you've already got your what is it like sixty pound chainmail tunic. I do. Yep. <laughs> it's heavy. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of, it was born out of, um, out of the war gaming stuff and, uh, Gary Gygax and a guy and Dave Arneson developed D and D back in 1974. Um, it was kind of loosely based on one of those war gaming systems called Chainmail. Um, but kind of, you allowed, allowed you to kind of take control of an individual unit as opposed to, you know, portion of an army. And uh, they they pulled heavily from like a, a fantasy sword and sorcery type books, Tolkien and that sort of thing, and and um, and it was pretty popular. Yeah, I mean, it was reasonably popular. And then in the early '80s, when the Satanic Panic really started kicking off, there was just a ton of other, you know, it was was like the first boom in tabletop RPGs. And you got stuff like Call of Cthulhu, which is like horror setting, and Paranoia, which is like dystopian science fiction, and Shadowrun, which was you know, like cyberpunk and boot hill which was wild west and you know uh, gurps which was uh, like um, i think general universal role-playing system i think is what it stands for and, and you could do you know it was like setting agnostic you could do it anywhere you wanted sci-fi feudal japan didn't matter 
Sounds like something that happens to me when I have really bad heartburn. Yeah, the GURPS. I get the GURPS. Um, but yeah, so the you know it, it blew up big in the '80s, and then it kind of just sizzled on the back burner. I mean, it's always been around, and lots of good games have been coming out here and there. You know, Pathfinder, Warhammer 40k, like stuff like Inspectors, more improvisational games like Fiasco or Everyone Is John. Um, kind of came out, and then uh, in the last few years, D and D especially has seen just a huge resurgence. And I don't know if it's all due to Stranger Things. <laughs> kind of kids playing D and D and everyone being like, Oh, that looks cool. But, but I feel like it played a role because it seems like it kind of happened around the same time. I mean, it was kind of growing a bit before that, but there was that. And then, you know, a, a general acceptance, that, um, um, like um, it's more socially acceptable now. Like it doesn't have some of the stigma that it had in the eighties and I think nineties or two thousands. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. And most like if you, you know, people seem to be more open about saying like, yeah, I play D and D and, and I think because of that, a lot of older folks that played when they were kids got back into it. And, um, other folks that had not played it, you know, that wanted to play it when they were kids feel not embarrassed to ask about it and get in, join groups and actually play. Well, yeah, it's, it's like after the, the Marvel movies started coming out all of a sudden, like it's, it's 100% normal to wear a superhero t-shirt to school and say, Oh yeah, I, I dig Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which was, I mean, in the eighties nerd, there was the nerds are cool phase of the eighties. And uh, I don't know, maybe we're in like a weird new version of that now. Yeah, absolutely. And it ebbs and flows, you know, our childhood, or I guess our later childhood, our, our most of our, our developing into adult years was not that. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the, you know, grunge hip hop era where it was, uh, it wasn't even cool to be cool. <laughs> but yeah, so things, have, things have taken off. D&D is bigger than it's ever been now. Um, there's all kinds of differences. There's, there's, I mean, there's so many different systems out there I'd like to play that um but ha- finding the people and the time to do it has been tough like i this it's kind of taken over my uh, you know it's one of my main free time exercises now like i don't think i've actually sat down and played a proper video game in like months which is too bad because there's some games that i really want to play more of but uh you know i got like a family and stuff so i can't play games every night yeah fucking adult responsibilities and and you know when you have a a brief moment where you don't have something that you have to do most of the time like like i don't even think about something like playing video games i was paying for xbox live gold for probably a good like year and i picked up the controller like two times and i was like holy shit like i i need to get rid of this yeah yeah i stopped paying for my playstation whatever they call it plus maybe playstation thing yeah, PlayStation pay us money every month thing. Yeah, uh, for the same reason that like I, I hadn't, I got more like I've got a Steam library with like a hundred games in it that I haven't even played. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't need. I've got enough games that I could probably, if I didn't buy a single new video game, I would still have plenty of video games to keep me entertained for like the next year or more. And honestly, if I had some extra time, I'd probably like to spend it playing this kind of stuff because it's fun. It's human interaction, especially when you're actually at the table with other people. It's super fun. Yeah. So I don't imagine super fun is your one word, but why don't you boil it down to one? Ah, uh, my one word for tabletop gamings is freedom. Freedom. Uh, and I kind of touched on that a bit earlier, but they, they just allow you a freedom that you can't get um, anywhere else because, you know, you're matching wits and world building with another human being. 
you know, so as, as a player, like if you're playing a video game and you go like, all right, I want to do this thing. You know, I want to swing from the chandelier and uh, drop this alchemist fire on top of the guy as I swing by. If that's not in the game's mechanics, you can't do that. Or, you know, I'd like to try and seduce the, you know, the prince or the king or the, you know, you know, the guard so I can get in and do this thing. Uh, if that's not built into the game, you can't do it. But with tabletop RPGs, you can go ahead and give it a shot. And there's loosely defined mechanics for various different things. And the GM kind of decides what's appropriate and uh, you try for it. And, and you can, it just, it gives you a level of control over your character and who your character is and what your character does and what they look like. And every aspect of it is under your control. And it's, you know, it's like if you were actually, you know, role-playing whereas these days like when i look at role-playing games like i still love them but like role-playing video games but you're not really like it's hard to get immersed and and you know feel that you're actually playing the role of this character because you only have like just a modicum of control over what they say and do and feel and are whereas uh with tabletop rpgs you can contribute meaningfully to the narrative in a unique and like unforeseen ways and uh, like I said earlier, the best stories come out of the, that creativity that every individual brings to the table. Yeah, and if you don't want your character to be married or have children, then uh, you get a little freedom there too. Yeah, double freedom. <laughs> yeah, so it just I enjoy you know the the creative freedom that you have, and and especially with some of the games like um, like Fiasco or Everyone Is John, where it really or Inspectors, where it really is like a collaborative storytelling thing, and like you you just take it wherever you take it and everyone just kind of rolls with it. Like fiasco is almost more of like an improv game. Um, I think you'd really enjoy that one. That's the one I was talking about. It's a, it's like a, it's like a Coen brothers movie, like a caper gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Type. You were talking about that. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those movies um, where you play out the story and you know, basically everything will go wrong in the end. It's kind of the game's built for that to happen. And, uh, and it's fucking fun. It's just, how will it go wrong? And it's uh it's a really fun game. You can play it with, you need at least three people to play and you don't have to prep. You don't have to do anything. You just jump into it. Uh, and I think, I think you'd enjoy that one. Perhaps. Yeah. Cause the other reason why you think you may not have gotten in D and D you don't have, you've never struck me as someone who's really into the whole fantasy setting. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've got a problem with it at all, but yeah, maybe I just, maybe I don't gravitate towards it like other people do. Um, but I can appreciate a good movie or books set in uh, in that in that setting. I think just you know, like you've talked in the past about about Tolkien and his uh, his over-explanatory writing style. You know, I yeah, maybe it's just not as easy to just drop myself in as it is like you know a futuristic science fiction story or something where it's just yeah. I mean, because there, there's great sci-fi settings and you know, there's superhero games. Mutants and Masterminds is a blast. You need to build your own superhero and. I ran a game of that a while ago, and within the first like three sessions, the all the characters who were supposed to be superheroes had accidentally made themselves like public enemy number one. They had like a battle on a bridge and accidentally killed like forty cops, and uh, just made a real fucking mess of the place trying to stop some drug operation. Oh, shit! But by the end of it, one of them, uh, the Hulk-like character, was the mayor. So. <laughs> Did he have the brains of the Hulk or was he just a uh, strong? Uh, he was, he, he was, he, yeah, he was Hulk like in power, but kind of kept his mental acuity while he was the Hulk, but he wasn't like Bruce Banner level smart. So. Oh, okay. 
He could speak in complete sentences. It, it was kind of like a, uh, it was like if Tony Stark was the Hulk or not Tony Stark, because he's still not quite as smart as Tony Stark, but rich. like if, uh, oh, what's a rich, but not that, not exceptionally intelligent superhero. I was going to say Bruce Wayne, but he's pretty smart too. You know, like Oliver Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, except with the whole, yeah, I guess they're both, they both have an affinity for green. So, but uh, yeah, you might like something like that. I don't know. Well, that leads into uh, my one word review. Um, I apologize to our listening audience because uh, at least if you're our age, it's something you had to deal with all of your life. Um, I'm going to step away from the microphone a little bit because my one word review is nerds. Um, totally going to edit your apology out. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I am 100% a geek through and through. I live my life. Um, I've always lived my life along those lines. I think there was a, there was a couple of years where I, where I took a little break from comic books and, you know, got into music and yeah, rolled, probably sports rolled, here and rolled there. your pants up more and real tight. <laughs> no, I think I was reading comics. Oh no, no, maybe that, maybe that was in it. Yeah. <laughs> Started listening to Morrissey and yeah. Hey, I still love that shit. I, you know, I had, I had style back then. Um, now I'm, now I'm fat and lazy, but so much better. You know, the, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck style. The, the stigma you know, it was, it was strong back then, you know, that, that even, even comic geeks like me, you know, you sort of, you sort of looked down upon the, the, the RPG nerds and the, the magic nerds, you know, like, I don't know if it was just a denial thing because you're like, well, at least I'm not that, but you know, there, there was a distinction at least in some people's eyes, you know, whereas like all the jocks and the cool kids, I'm sure looked at me the exact same, or, you know, we were all lumped in the same group. We were all just a bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fair. I mean, it's not terribly inaccurate. I mean, you go to a magic tournament and, uh, yeah, that's, that's on display. Well, yeah. And you know, <laughs> like walking into a comic shop and actually seeing the, the stereotypes from movies, you know, the, the greasy face and the greasy hair and the shirts that are too small and the, the speech impediments and the way they laugh, like, you know, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Robert Carradine, uh, from, from nerds, revenge of the nerds, how he's got that. Like, I'm, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like yeah. this, the suck in laugh. Like I remember the first time I heard that at a one <laughs> comics from a person and he was doing it for real. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't ironic. It wasn't an impression. He was really doing that. So, well, you think those people are going to go join the lacrosse team? No, not I mean, at all. Fuck. Even even the comic book geeks look down on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, someone's got to accept these guys, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mean it in an insulting way, but that is the one word that that really just pops in my head when I think of Dungeons and Dragons or RPGs. I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'll I'll take that mantle. I don't mind it. It's uh, I have a lot of fun doing it. So. You guys can not have fun and think I'm a nerd all you want. <laughs> so what if Ben, Wizards of the Coast, who currently owns uh, Dungeons & Dragons, you know, previously TSR, yeah? Yep. Um, what if they came to you and they wanted you to design a new game? They wanted something that would, uh, that would stand out or stand apart, I guess, from the, the fantasy of Dungeons & Dragons, but still have the... Um, appeal 
that uh that Dungeons and Dragons have. Man, I for some reason I I feel like when I whenever I say Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons it comes out as if like like something blocks in my nasal passage as if I've got a cold. So it's like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and it's so weird. It's happened a few times. So I I, you could probably say D&D and everyone will know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. But do you think you could do it? Could you design a game? And what, what game would it be? Or I mean, like what kind of setting would it be? Um, what types of characters would you populate that with? I know this is kind of a kind of a big question for off the top of your head but well maybe i mean i'd definitely give it a shot like if if wizards of the coast came to me and said hey we would like to hire you to try and make a game i at first i would wonder why because i don't have any experience in that but uh, they heard you on a podcast yeah but if they were gonna pay you know you know they're gonna say hey give it a year we'll pay your salary for a year and you can try and create it fuck yeah i would it would be super fun would I be successful? I'm not terribly sure. Um, I've never really created like a game system from the ground up before. Um, I mean, I've done, I've kind of written and kind of created a bunch of my own campaigns and worlds and stuff like that, but not the full system. It's always kind of based on something. Um, that said, I have tinkered a bit with, um, like I had a, an idea pop into my head a few years ago and kind of like wrote some, like a basic premise in, for a game that uh, I've wanted to spend some time developing. Never really got into the nitty gritty of it or trying to test it or doing that. And I was originally thinking about like a, um, like a video game or something, but it could probably be adapted for any kind of, any number of things. It was more of a one player thing though. So it wouldn't really be an RPG, but you could probably adapt it to it. But the general concept was that you, um, I wanted to make a game where you are the, like, like a haunted house type thing, except you're the ghost or the spirit or the demon or whatever. Are you wait real quick. Are you sure this is something you want to, you want to say out loud? Like, will, mm. will somebody jack this idea? And cause I think if, if someone does jack the idea, I don't think this is legal precedent to, uh, to hold on to it. Well, no, I mean, I'm fine with it. Cause, uh, I've, I thought of this a few years ago and I haven't done jack shit with it. So if somebody else does something and it's really cool, I guess that, that might be better than me keeping it to myself and not doing anything with it ever. Fuck that. I don't want anybody to ever do anything like zombie house party, even though it's been 12 years and we haven't done it. Yeah. We should do zombie house party. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And then that other zombie idea I had that one time that, uh, that I didn't strike on while the zombie iron was hot. And now it's just kind of tired. Yeah. The zombies are a bit overdone right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the general concept was a game where you get to play as the haunter, like a survival horror game, but you're the one doing the de-survivaling, like the the, the rest of the game is trying to survive you. Um, and I had some cool ideas about skill trees and things, but it, it's it, like it sounded, you know, I was really excited about it and it, it's something I'd like to put some time into, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, especially when it's a creative endeavor. Because, you know, I can sit down and sketch anytime I want, but to actually get some good, solid comic book drawing work done, you know, it really is work and it, it does take a toll. It takes time. It takes concentration. Um, I can't just sit down and throw on like three lines at a time, you know, draw an arm and then draw a leg the next day and, you know, have it turn into anything good. You need a good, solid chunk. 
Yeah, absolutely. And well, and that's I, I run into the same issue. Like I'm DMing two games right now, the Monday and Tuesday night games. I'm going to be DMing. I just sw- took over for the Mega Dungeon one, and uh, it was it's nice because with that stuff, like when you're coming up with a story concept or like a you know what your what that portion of the campaign is, the next level of the dungeon is going to be. That's something I can just do while I'm working, you know, and just kind of let it roll over in my brain. But eventually, I have to like actually do some proper prepping and make some maps and, you know, build some encounters and figure out kind of how I, you know, what's going to go on. Yeah. And that's the shit that I don't seem to have the time for. (laughs) It's the actual preparation. And so a lot of the time I go into this stuff half cocked and uh, try and do my best. And I think I do a decent job, but uh, I'd never feel as prepared as I would like to be. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's easy to be an idea man, but the, the details are the tough part. Yep. Yeah, yeah, same thing with the with RPGs. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a creative endeavor. Even as a player, like you've got to create a character and get a backstory, and and you know, most of the you know in world stuff, like you don't have to spend time planning for because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you just react to it. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you've got player. The, the, the cool thing about allowing your players to help build the world out too is like, so if someone comes to you with a backstory where maybe they're on the run or they, uh, you know, they got kicked out of what you know their order their military order or whatever as a dm you can kind of build that into the story you know they can kind of come up with their something in their backstory and you can try and integrate it into the story where maybe they you know they see a wanted poster for them somewhere or they there's a bounty hunter out after them or they run into somebody from their old order that you know causes them some trouble or maybe gives them an advantage on something even yes um but it allows kind of everybody to have a part in the world and make the world feel more real and consistent. I hear you. Um, so I think we're getting a little, a uh, little long in, long in the tooth so far. Uh, do you want to take a little break? Yeah. It seems like a good time for that. Yeah. Let's go get some food. We'll be right back. Challenge your imagination to come alive and to battle with the creatures of Dungeons and Dragons. Grapple against the forces of evil as a Marvel comic superhero. Hot adventure and glory as Indiana Jones. The all-new role-playing games of TSR and Dungeons and Dragons. Unleash the power of your imagination. Hey, welcome back, Ben. Welcome back, John. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, pop culture use, your favorite. What is it? Ah, so I had to think about this. Um, it's not the old D and D cartoon. Yeah, I thought about that. I I liked that when I was a kid, but I uh, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, and it's not the last D and D movie because that was it was okay, but it wasn't great. How many of how many have there been? Was there only one live action one, or was there two? I think there was one, but I supposedly Joe Magnello, Mag- Mag- yeah. Manganello, yes, the guy rela- married to Sofia Vergara. Oh shit. Um, he is supposedly working on one, but has been for a really long time. So I don't know where it is in production, but that guy loves D and D. So it should be good. Hopefully <laughs> like he turned his, his, is that how it works? Well, he's at least has reverence for the source material. So, I mean, that helps. Yeah. He also doesn't control a studio. No, he does not. But, uh, yeah, maybe that's why it hasn't gotten made because they wanted to do something stupid and he he's fighting it 
Yeah, they want to cast Justin Whalen and a Wayans brother in it again. <laughs> yep. Uh, but no, so um, I, th- I I thought about it for a bit, and uh, then it came to me. My favorite use in pop culture of uh, of tabletop gaming was uh, the Baldur's Gate games, the CRPG games for PC that came out in the mid-90s, maybe? Uh-huh. Um. Because they were freaking fantastic. They were one of my favorite RPGs when I was a kid. They had a you know, like a solid, like a what at the time was a huge map. Like I mean, you had this entire world you could go around. Uh, it did not. It almost to a fault didn't point you in the direction. Like it didn't really give you you know you like you had to talk to people to figure out how to get places and like what you were supposed to be doing and pick up quests and where you were supposed to go because it did not point you in the direction of the story quests at all. But it had uh, it had really good, you know. You, some of your companions had really good characters. They'd talk to you. It was like one of the first games where they would kind of talk to you um, outside of you know. You'd have conversations with them, with your party members, um, and they weren't just you know robots that followed your commands. Um, had a really deep world, good character building. Uh, it was all built on second edition D and D mechanics. So it had uh, like it had it had Thacko. Which is uh, no way, not Thacko. Yeah, Thacko. Yes, uh, to hit armor class zero, and uh, which I I played the <laughs> shit out of those games, and it was still, I still never really got the a, gri- a good grip on Thacko. I didn't realize that shit was uh, was an acronym for a game mechanic. I thought it was just like like Thacko the Terrible, some fucking no. dude. <laughs> nope. Okay. But yeah, you remember from the brief time that you played armor class, mm. AC, your AC, it's basically how hard you are to hit in D&D. So it's like yeah, you have I an AC it's... of 15 and if someone rolls and has their modifier and it's more than 15, they hit you. Yes. I remember its existence. Yeah. So that's the system you use now. They, back in second edition, they used Thacko, which was two hit armor class zero. Um, so basically the lower your score was, the better instead of the higher. So to hit armor class zero, you need to roll this number. So if you had a Thacko of one, you only had to roll one to hit armor class zero. And this is how it was in that in, uh, game? In second edition, yeah. And the same thing with Baldur's Gate. And it okay. was, uh, like, I still, you know, some people are really comfortable with it. I get, you know, I, I play with a guy that, you know, played a lot of second edition and a lot of first edition. Like, it's, you know, original D and D. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I've never really been able to like, I can understand it and I can use it, but I always got to think about it. Like it's never second nature to me. It's, it, it's a little more complicated than it needs to be. And I'm glad they got rid of it. But, yeah. uh, but the Baldur's Gate games, great. I mean, I got isometric. Do you ever play them? Well, I was like isometric RPG. Nope. Yeah. It was cool. It was, uh, the combat was, was, kind of semi real time, but you could pause it and like command your guys to do stuff. And, and you know, it had all the spells and stuff from second edition D and D and it was, uh, it was just a fantastic, game. it was really good. They had, they, I think they made like three of them. Yeah. They're top notch. I recommend them. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So that is my, my favorite use in pop culture. You know, it's funny. I, when, when thinking about pop culture, I just had it in my head that it was like movies, TV, music. I didn't even think about video games because I mean, clearly at that point, like it, it would, it would have to be Legend of Zelda. Um, but I don't know. 
I think I'm just going to have to stick with my with my original, which uh, we touched on it earlier. And this is not, you know, like an adaptation of the game. It's just its use in something or, or something that was my favorite that uses it, and that's Stranger Things. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's uh, any stretch of the imagination to talk about how great that show is. You know, it was very much our childhood regurgitated into a into a cool new tv series for for netflix i wonder if it's generational because my mother-in-law was watching it just the other day and uh didn't care for it at all it's like i I mean she was around at that time she except she probably looked more like the parents yeah yeah she's probably like (laughs) you little fucking kids wasting your time with that demon shit you know like we touched on i wasn't an rpg kid of course so uh, not knowing a whole lot about them I never super appreciated it in in movies and TV and such when it would show up. You know, it was just a bunch of bunch of nerds, you know, doing doing their nerd stuff that I don't get. You know, so then when Stranger Things came along, it made it a little more um, accessible. You know, by by integrating their story into it, the whole series opens up with them playing the game and they're going against the Demogorgon, and then you know they integrate that into the actual characters' journeys. The, the main villain being the Demogorgon. And then in the second season with the, uh, what was it again? Something Wraith or something or other? I don't remember anymore. Yeah, I don't remember what they called it either. Yeah, I only watched it when it was brand new. Yeah, it came out. I watched it all in one like in one or two sittings and uh, haven't watched it since. Yeah, so. promptly forgot. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming back in uh, you know, this year sometime. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about what they were going to do with the second season of it, but I did enjoy the second season. And I, and I, yet again, I'm kind of like, well, what the fuck are they going to do with a third season? Cause they seem to kind of wrap that up pretty nicely. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, yeah, I definitely didn't care for the second season as much as the first. It, it sort of dragged kind of like the, the Marvel shows on Netflix, you know, it's like, it could have been like three episodes shorter and would have been better for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was around the same time as stranger things, you know, that we, that we tried D and D together. So it also allowed me to understand a little bit more of what was going on there. You know, oh, yeah. Like, it was the first time where I was watching people in a piece of pop culture or a piece of media playing the game and, and going, okay, yes, I know what that's like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you had something to relate to a little, at least a little bit. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think I have many, many experiences to draw from as far as pop culture goes, besides, you know, of course, Legend of Zelda and uh, a couple Final Fantasies that I never finished. So, yeah, no, I think I think that's a good one. I like it. Um, I, I guess my the other um, honorable mention that I would have for my favorite use in pop culture is the rise of actual play podcasts, because I listen to a few of them. Yeah, you've recommended uh, them to me yeah. before. And there are there are just so many of them that um, that I've heard bits and pieces of that are good. And uh yeah, I don't have anywhere near that much time to listen to that much stuff. So I have like a few that I listen to regularly. I got like Authors and Dragons and uh, How We Roll has a good like Call of Cthulhu and some 5e stuff occasionally. So uh, actual play D&D podcasts as a D&D nerd. I enjoy them because it's a good story. It's like a solid story. You never necessarily know where it's going to go. Um, so yeah, I, and it, especially if you're getting into D&D, like if you want to get into D&D or any other, I mean, there's there are out there for just about every system, but you know, if you want to get into a tabletop game, but you're a little intimidated by all the rules and, you know, I don't know how this works, especially if you don't know anybody, you know, that can, that you can get in a group with and start playing. 
Uh, I would definitely recommend listening to some good actual play podcasts. It'll be kind of hard to follow at first. Um, it's a little bit more enjoyable when you kind of know, you know, it's more inside baseball, you know, you kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Do a little research online of, of basic mechanics before you, uh, before you really do a deep dive into these, especially if you're going to be DMing for the first time for a group of friends, none of you have ever played. Definitely, uh, go listen to some of those, uh, you know, critical roles, really good one. It's got, uh, Matt Mercer, who's an absolutely excellent GM. So you could definitely pick up some pointers from him. Wait, the Matt Mercer? Probably. He's a voice actor. Oh, shit. Okay. So if he is somebody. Oh, yeah. He's big I'm, shit in the D&D world, I'm, I'm, I meant that uh, legitimately then. Uh, that was definitely not a, a joke. Yeah, he is, uh, he's a big name. So um, I was thinking, since uh, you're a bit out of your element here, John. You don't say. Uh, that I would uh, supplement with a ranking list. But 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 you hate ranking lists. I you know I am not a big fan of them. But you know, got to give the people what they don't want. <laughs> so uh, I figured I, I couldn't I, I couldn't imagine what kind of ranking list you would be able to come up with and uh, have it have any meaning to you at all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and this is something I'm fairly passionate about. So uh, I figured I could come up with a quick list of my my current top five favorite. Uh, tabletop RPG systems. Okay. There's a whole bunch that I haven't, that I'd like to play that I haven't played, but I can't put those on the list because I've never played them. Yeah. Like FICO and, and, and yeah, like Bla- blades in the dark. I want to play blades in the dark really bad. I haven't gotten around to doing it yet. looks super fun. Um, it's like a heist game set in like a supernatural kind of, I guess kind of steampunky universe. Oh well, yeah, of course. What else would it be? Yeah. Um, it's not really steampunk though. It's like, I don't, anyway. Like fog punk. Yeah, fog punk. Yeah, fog punk. Um, Mark Fine in the system. But yeah, so I, I, but I haven't played it yet. So uh, even though it looks really fun and I've read the book, I can't include it on my list. So number five is What's Old is New, which is actually a yeah, system. Yeah, Woin. Yeah, Woin. Yes. It's actually a system of uh, like three different games that use kind of the same core mechanics. It was developed by Morris. Uh, he's a. I don't know if he's like the main guy or definitely one of the main guys at, at EN World, which is like a forum for RPG stuff. But I kickstarted that one and it's cool. It's got old, new, and now. So old is obviously like old fantasy type stuff. New is futuristic sci-fi stuff. And now is like 80s action movie setting. Okay. So it's not, it's not just like, because uh, when I hear what's old is new, I think of like, uh, a mixture of of game mechanics from past uh, past types, but that's not it. It's more in the uh, in the uh, creative side of it. Yeah, no, it's definitely got its own system. It's all d six based, so you just roll standard dice. Um, it's 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 kind of cool because it uh, like when you build your character, you don't just like roll and assign stats to them. You build like a you know like your life story and your career. You know, it's so like here's your origin, and then you spent, you know, five years in the military and then you got out and you spent four years being a criminal and then you spent five years in prison and then you got out of there and you became a smuggler or something. And for each one of those steps, you pick up different skills and attributes. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, you kind of build your backstory with the character and then you've got a set of like skills that you have. Like, so maybe you're really good at like hacking or you're good at, you know, um, you know, fighting, um, anytime where those things would come in handy, 
it, like it's, it's real loose. Like anytime where they'd come in handy, you can add those modifiers to your roles, you know? So if you're trying to, maybe you're trying to intimidate someone to let you in and you, you know, you can use your fighting skill to help you with that, even though you're not physically fighting, but you, know, you could look all big and tough and I'm going to kick your ass. And, yeah. um, so, and, and you, that's just kind of up to, you know, the discretion when you think your skill would be helpful. It's not, uh, it's not very, it's not very set in stone, but all the rest of it, it's very crunchy as they say, cause it's got a lot of little rules and details and stuff. And it's uh, it's a fun system. It's really yeah. good. What's up next. Number four would be inspectors, which uh, I think I touched on earlier. It's the ghostbusters private eye. Yeah, yeah. One. And, uh, that one's super fun. That's the one I just did with, uh, are the authors and dragons crew. Um, it came out real fun. There was a, uh, I think that caper, there was a, a lady who's, husband would disappear for days at a time and come back covered in orange goo and uh oh gross yeah yeah so they hired them to figure out why and it turned out having something to do with a floating demon dick <laughs> and uh and and odd sexual pro- proclivities um so yeah you never know where that's gonna go uh, but that's a that's a really fun kind of no prep game that you can kind of you can kind of keep it going too like you build a franchise and it's uh I would recommend it as well. Number three is Mutants and Masterminds. And that is a superhero game. Yeah. I talked about that one earlier. It's cool. You build your character. You can kind of, you have like a certain number of points that you can take different abilities and some have prerequisites. And so you build your own superhero and then you just get let loose in a world with supervillains and criminals and all kinds of fun stuff. And it's, uh, it's generally played kind of like modern day, you know, urban superhero game. So it's, uh, that was a lot of fun. You might enjoy that one too. Yeah, I think if I, if I were to take a shot at it again, I would either go just straight up D and D like we already played because there, there's still a, a little bit that you know calls to me. Like I I think I think with a with a group that I meshed with a little better maybe. Uh, I mean maybe I just resist change. So if it was me and you and Kyle and clones of us, so I I knew we'd all get along perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, it, the 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 crew mechanic. If it if it's dead on, like I I would like to try it again. I didn't not have fun. Uh, number two is a game called Fiasco, which I also mentioned earlier. Yeah, That's yeah. The, all of these names are familiar to me. Yeah, one whole podcast talking about my favorite things, and then here's the list of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, but Fiasco's great. It's um, it's by Bully Pulpit Games. I guess I should have said What's Old is New is by Morris. Inspectors is by Memento Mori. Mutants and Masterminds There's is, a lot of M's in this shit. Yeah, it's a great letter. Very alliterative. Um, I can't remember who does it. Green Ronin, I think, does Mutants and Mastermind. Yeah, it sounds like a green Ronin type game. Yeah. And then Fiasco is Bully Pulpit Games. And it is, it's another cool no prep game. Like, so you get down with some friends and you pick like a scenario it has like Wild West or um, 50 Suburbs or Gumshoe or any number of different, they have a bunch of different scenarios that have these tables from, and you kind of pick things. Like everyone kind of picks some different uh, relationships. So everyone's got relationships with each other and you're all characters. And then you just kind of play it out like a movie scene by scene and you know anybody like if you're not in the scene you could jump in as an extra and stuff and it's uh and it just goes it's it's guaranteed it's built to go fucking sideways and be hilarious i think those would be a lot of fun to give a try to also you know something that that you could do in one night yeah yeah there's no commitment i did that with um my D group once when 
we uh, didn't have enough players to play the game and we ended up going to the old West and there was a, I think I, I was a, like a, a, a blind rich guy that uh, was angry because the, because the Chinese coming into town and didn't know that I was married to a Chinese lady <laughs> and they were in like, they were like a, you know, brother and sister that were like screw, like had some, like trying to bilk me out of a bunch of money. And at some point I ended up like kicking down the saloon door and, uh, aiming a broom that I thought was a shotgun at a bunch of people <laughs> while someone behind me actually shot the people. Uh, it was fun. It's just, it gets ridiculous. And, uh, it's, it's very, you know, improvisational and everyone just, again, it's one of those things where everyone builds the story and it just becomes something that you couldn't have guessed from the beginning. And, uh, and of course, my number one is uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. I think they did. Um, it is my favorite edition. I've, I played, you know, three, five, and a little bit of four. Um, never really played much second edition other than outside of you know the Baldur's Gate video games. But uh, I think they did just an excellent job balancing Fifth Edition. It, uh, it, it all the classes are good to play. Like you could play a bard and still feel useful in the party. Uh, you know, clerics, not as not, you know, a boring healer. Um, you've got some really great, you know, combat abilities as well. And, uh, it's so, just, uh, so fifth edition is, uh, is the millennial edition as it were, everybody's important. Everybody's special. Everybody's special. Yep. Yeah. Everyone gets a trophy. Yeah. But it's, it's like, everything's fun to play and, uh, they've just, they've done a really good job with balance. Also, they kind of, they simplified it a bit, but not as much as they did with like fourth edition, like third edition and 3.5 were super heavy with stuff. They were just packed full of stuff. And Pathfinder is kind of based off three, five and it went further. And it's just, it, it's a bit overwhelming. Um, whereas fifth edition, they kind of simplified it down, but kind of kept the spirit of the game and kept the freedom that you had that they kind of, they missed out a little bit on fourth edition. So I, I'd recommend it. If you're wanting to get into D and D fifth edition is a great place to start. Cause it's fairly, it's easier to pick up than three five, and it's better than four. Is the current edition that that uh, that comes out is that usually the standard, or is there like a big contingent of people that are like, "Fuck fifth edition, I I stand by three point five. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what happened with. Uh, I mean, Pathfinder was based on three point five because they they released a bunch of their stuff as open source, so you can use it, you know, without having to pay Wizards of the Coast. So wait, hold on. Speak to me as if I am a big dummy in regards to RPGs. What is Pathfinder? Pathfinder is made by Pazio, and it's it's just another fantasy RPG. Oh, okay. See, I I thought it was like a division of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was a part of it. No, they took so Wizards of the Coast with three five had um they, it was, some stuff went out on OGL the Open Games license. Basically, the base system of the game you could use and make stuff commercially out of it and not have to pay wizards of the coast anything oh, it was wow. basically free and they do that they do that with did that with fifth edition as well uh it doesn't have all the stuff like it won't have um beholders or um mind you know illithids mind mind flare like it won't well, have of certain not certain monsters some of the spells that have like you know like um wait a minute real quick yeah i think mind flare was the the villain in the second season of stranger things that sounds oh, really familiar yeah, yeah. Could have been, yeah. They're they're nasty. The guys will fuck you up. <laughs> but um, but stuff like yeah, like Tensor's floating disc. It's got a name on it. It's proprietary. They don't release that. Okay. Um, but so what Path what Pazio did was they took that and they they were publishing like 
you know, modules and stuff for 3.5. And then, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast changed something and they said, okay, well, screw it. We'll just make our own game based on it. Um, and they're coming out with Pathfinder 2nd Edition soon that I would like to play. I'd like to see where they go with that. But uh, I don't... Yeah, because it got reasonably big. Like, they, they even made, like, Pathfinder comic books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Pathfinder's huge. And there's a, there's a load of people that are still very loyal to Pathfinder, still very loyal to 3.5. Like I said, people that like to min-max and, like, really have just a shit ton of options. It's really good for that because it has a shit ton of options and all kinds of different classes and prestige classes and, you know, subclasses. And it's got just tons of stuff so for the turbo nerds yeah yeah for the yes exactly for the for the the turbo you know the guys that would have been really good at like you know fantasy football and and baseball stats and shit but they're not into sports they're into this yeah totally those guys like pathfinder and three five and i love pathfinder and three five they're up they're great systems i don't i don't i not to denigrate them but if you're looking to like get into D for the first time it can be a little overwhelming yeah, even even fifth edition for me, there was a lot of shit to worry about. Like I you have the patience of a fucking saint walking, you know, there were four of us who had never played before. Kyle had done some research and he still had more trouble than anyone else keeping track of his shit. Well, yeah, and it didn't help that during character creation most of us were drinking the entire time. Yeah, you guys were. Well, maybe that's why you didn't have fun, John. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I needed to I needed to have a stiff drink and pick up smoking cigarettes again so I could go out on on break with those guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so uh that that is my list. Yeah. And there's there's a ton of other games that are really great, but you know, top 5. Yeah, that's, I was, that, uh, that's it right now. The one I've heard about uh from you most often is the uh every everybody's John or everyone is John. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that's Yeah, good I was one. I was surprised a, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that one is a lot of fun. It's it's also meant to kind of go off the rails, and so that game, everybody plays, uh, and you can play it without a GM if you want. Um, it's you, you need to have a, a, a you know a group of people that are pretty familiar with the game though to make that work. But um, basically, uh, everybody is a voice in a, this guy John's head, kind of trying to get him to do things, and and you've all got your own agenda of these tasks that you need to that you earn points for getting him to complete. And uh, John's not good at anything, though. So basically... A story I know well. Yeah. yeah. You only succeed... On, you roll a d6 and you only succeed on a six. Oh, shit. Unless you have some skills that can, you know, maybe lower that. There's a few things that can augment that to make it... Um, you got, like, stuff that you can buy down the thing with, you know, uh, chips that you can buy down it buy it down with. But you bid for control and it just kind of goes back and forth. And everyone's trying to get their own agenda done, but no one knows what everyone else's agenda is. And then at the end of the game, when John's arrested or dead or whatever you total all the points up and somebody wins so it's it's like a good competitive collaborative game that's that's a lot of fun uh that's that's another one that i gm'd for the a and d guys so if uh, you want to if you're curious about how that works uh, go on over to authors and dragons and uh one of their side quests is in everyone is john side quest and it was also a bit of a shit show I should listen to one of those shows you've been on i it hasn't even hit me until now what an asshole i am for not listening to that yeah, you are an asshole. Yeah, I. Wow, why have I not done that? I've even been dry on podcasts lately. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's uh, those ones. I'll send you the link. Yeah, I'll I'll look them up right now. I'm sure they're on Apple Podcasts. Oh, uh, they are. They yeah. are indeed. I, I it's it's great podcasting. I'm just gonna just gonna wander off and uh, look up something on the on the phone. I'll do the thing. <laughs> 
Um, so I think that brings us to final thoughts. So, I mean, my final thoughts, I mean, I, the, I love tabletop RPGs and I wish I had more time and people to play with. Um, oh, you need friends. Well, I mean, I play with a, a lo- quite a few people now, but it's, like I said, it's hard as an adult to find other adults to that have the time to consistently block out three or four hours at the same time. So, um, you know, it like right, right now we are looking for players for our, our in real life game on Mondays and, uh, it's hard to find. Like a lot of people just don't, you know, they can't commit to it and that's understandable. And so, I mean, you can always go on like uh Reddit to the, you know, looking for group subreddit and, you know, find a stranger to come in, but that's always hit or miss, you know, maybe you'll jive with them. Maybe you won't. Yeah. Um, but you know, mo- most people are, are pretty good. Oh yeah. yeah I heard you. You started, right. you started listening to it. I, yeah, heard, hit, I heard. hit the wrong one. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> since I already interrupted the episode, uh, what's that? What, 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 uh, what episode was it? Uh, one should be called everyone is John. Oh, okay. And, and it doesn't have like a, like a side quest, something. It um, will be side quests. It will be definitely be, it's a, it's one of the side quests. When did it come out? The end of summer. It was right. It was around the time that we started this podcast, whenever that was. Yeah. Because it, to... it came out the same, like it, it came out within a day of our first podcast, whatever that was. Yeah. When was that? It was like August, maybe side quest one, all kinds of games. It was one of the oh, first side quest two. Everyone is John. Hey, yeah, it released so- on my birthday. Well, there you go. And you're John. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, listen to that with your shitty microphone, whatever it was, your computer mic. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was the USB ones. Oh <laughs> yeah. I wonder how those compare. Well, you can give it a listen and find out. Yeah. But um, but for me, tabletop RPGs kind of have all of the things that, I, that I'm really looking for in a game. They've got, you know, a good set of rules that you can build a good strategy out of. They've got world and character building, you know, collaborative storytelling. And like I said, the freedom to kind of do what you want within that environment, uh, you know, without, you know, pretty well unfettered without the, you know, restrictions that you have in a lot of other, you know, board games or video games. And yeah. Stuff. Without like, like the equivalent of the invisible wall in a free roaming video game. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and rules are great. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I love good concrete rules. Cause that's what, you know, for like, especially board games, that's what makes the game. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a rule lawyer when it comes to, to games. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's the way the rules are. And so, we're all playing with those same rule under those same rules. Yeah. Except when you fucks play Uno. <laughs> well, no, I'm with you on that now. Okay. We are, we are of course, uh, dear listeners referring to the house rule that so many people play that you keep drawing until you get a card you can play. That's not, ta- that's not how it's played. You motherfuckers. Yeah. The infinite draw. <sighs> It, I mean, it makes the game go on forever. Yeah, it makes one round take forever. But the long game, as frustrating as it may be, was all worth it when John Rage quit. <laughs> See, at you least know, I, fuck you guys, stupid fucking infinite draw. At least, I'm, at least I'm vindicated <laughs> when everybody eventually quits before the game actually ends. Wait, well, yeah, it's no fun once you've quit and there's no one to irritate anymore. <laughs> fuck you. 
<laughs> but uh, but no, I love I, I love games with rules where you know that's how that's how you build strategy. I mean, without without if there's no rules, there's no strategy. You, you know, you got to figure out how to glean victory from the set that you're with and tabletop rpgs for the most part have a pretty well-defined and thorough rule list but there's a lot of freedom that you have within those and so if uh, if you haven't tried them i i suggest it you know go to if you don't know anybody that plays go down to your local game store and you'll find some nerds down there that'll probably be willing to let you join yeah if they're not being stuck up assholes about it yeah well if they are fuck them you don't want to play with those kind of guys anyway yeah yeah, or you can go on something like Roll Twenty or uh, Discord and find a, find a group on there. Um, or if you want to really just casually dip your toes in, toes in, go to Rollgate, and it's R O L E Gate, as in role playing, not as in dice rolling. Oh yeah, that totally makes way more sense. Yeah, and you can just jump into a game. The only issue I've had with that is it's kind of buggy. It's in beta, and it was featured on Geek and Sundry, and uh, I think Gizmodo about three weeks ago so they got just a deluge of new users um who you know come in drop out complain about it being buggy and uh and unfortunately i don't think they got near they got way more you know unpaying users than they got paying users because you can use it for free and so i think their servers are way overburdened because they probably didn't get the revenue to really scale up the way they needed to so the, the curse of too much publicity but yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, and you know the direction I thought you were going to go in when you uh, when you mentioned you know for casual uh, people or wanted wanting to dip your toes into it, you know something I um, I neglected to bring up throughout the episode just never came up was uh, were lighter fare games like Hero Quest. Yeah, I remember playing that uh, once, or I guess we did make a make a brief mention of it earlier, but I think as far as RPGs go, you know RPGs. I think are just they're they're too big for me right now. I can't wrap my head around it. it. Takes a lot of time to get into. You know, I'm kind of an instant gratification person, so you know, it 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 was it was hard. I I remember the first two or three nights. I think I only played like four or five. But like the the first few nights were, you know, I was like, "Wait, what the fuck are we even doing? Like this is this is boring." And then I remember you know, getting into a fight and it being fun, even though I I just got my ass kicked and then stopping back in like a couple months later or something just for one night and killing a dragon. And that was fun. That was the best. Uh, yeah. With like a, it, it's fleeing and you get a lucky javelin shot in at it and ground it. Oh yeah. That, that was yeah. pretty amazing. We were about to lose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a great moment. But, um, but you know, games like hero quest where it's, where it's, it's scaled way down, you know, it's more like a board game. But you still get to create your character and his all of his stats, and um, and you get little missions and stuff. Hero Quest was an awesome game. Yeah, it was a solid game. Yeah, I enjoyed that. You still have it, right? It's incomplete though. Like I don't think uh, I have like the quest book anymore, and I'm missing a ton of the pe- like it's it's been abused. I bet we can find one on eBay. I think we should. I think that that would be that would be fun to do. They don't still make it, do they? I doubt it. I mean, it was. They fucking it, it should. Was That's like, a great game. It was Parker Brothers, uh, I think, or Milton Bradley. It was. It was one it was, of the big two. Yeah. They could still make it if they wanted to. Yes. What they do have now, if you want like Hero Quest on steroids, where it does take longer and is a little bit more epic, um, they've got this game Gloomhaven that I would, I've, I've, I definitely want to play. It looks super cool. Uh, it is a like two hundred dollar board game though. Fuck off. Comes with like a, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the box is like 
15 pounds or something. It's got all kinds of minis and, you know, maps and all kinds of, it looks, it looks fucking fun, but, uh, yeah, I can't see me paying $200 no, for a not fucking at all. board game. I, I have enough trouble looking at like $50 tabletop games. Like that's what, that's why I never bought Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Cause you know, it was 50 bucks on taking a chance. Now that I've played it with, uh, with you and, and one other couple that we, uh, that we hang out with sometimes I would buy it. You know, if I had more people to play with that didn't own it, I would totally buy it. So maybe, yeah, I, I, that's one of the reasons I've always wanted to go to like PAX or uh, Gen Con because it's, it's like the, like the premier gaming, you know, tabletop gaming, but also like, you know, all tabletop gaming. So board games and all kinds of stuff. And uh, they'll just have huge areas where you can set up and just play any of the new games or some of the old games and there's, you know, tons of other people that you, know, you may not, you know, that you don't know, but you can always sit down and put together a game and just try out tons and tons of new games that you've never played before and figure out which ones are good and which ones aren't. And then you know what to buy. Yeah. So yeah, I would totally like to go to Gen Con one of these days. Maybe we'll have to go there as a podcast. Yeah. It's that could in- be one of our adventures. Yeah. It's in Indianapolis. Never been to Indianapolis before. Yeah. It's a shame that... I can't get you into uh, Comic Con this year because that that would be super cool for the podcast. But it, um, it would. I gotta say, Comic Con was a bit underwhelming though. It was just such a mess. Yeah, yeah. I it, haven't been. In, I haven't been since then. That was like four or five years ago. Yeah, it was just. It was super crowded and like just a bunch of people selling stuff at booths, like and cool costumes. Like that part was. I mean, like I had yeah. a good time, but it was. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if we we didn't go to very many panels. Yeah, it's true. So maybe going to more panels would be more interesting. I don't know. Yeah, and and you know, for me, the big drive is going and seeing the artists, you know, and buying their sketchbooks and shit. And like, you know, that doesn't have that kind of that same kind of draw for you. So yeah, like I said, I don't know that I don't know who most of them are. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for uh, for going on this quest with us today. If you want to let us know how we did. Uh, please, please do so. I'm very curious uh, to hear some uh, some reviews, some feedback. So go ahead and send us an email at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com or you can hit us up on social medias, Facebook, Geek Exploration the Podcast group, uh, Instagram, Geek Exploration Podcast, or Twitter at Geek Explore Pod. And we'll go ahead and read your email on, do I call it the air? We'll read it on a future episode, good or bad. So do your best or worst. And if you enjoyed the show, please uh, go on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five Eye of Vecna review. Um, they, they, you know, we'd really like to get some more of those. Uh, <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go to geeksplorationpodcast.com and subscribe and get notified when new episodes drop. The theme song is Cruisin' for Goblins. How appropriate. By Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And remember, if the DM's smiling, it's already too late.